Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's episode. On today's show, we're diving into the stories of a savvy global supply chain leader that has moved mountains, as well as a couple of bright students that are already making their mark in the business world, even before they graduate, which is right around the corner. So stay tuned, rather, for an intriguing conversation. So with all that said, I want to introduce our guests here today. First up, we've got Keith Connolly, a global supply chain executive with significant experience making things happen in the corporate world, including 25 years at AT AT&T. He now serves as an adjunct professor at the College of Charleston and a strategic advisor to CTDI. We're going to learn a lot more about that. Keith, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Scott. Glad to be here. Great great to see you. Really enjoyed seeing you in Vegas and uh, great to have you here along with a couple of your best friends here and students. Next up, we've got Elizabeth Petner, a senior at the College of Charleston, where she's studying supply chain management, global logistics, and transportation. So good afternoon, Elizabeth. Good afternoon. Happy to be here. (laughs) Great to see you. And finally, cleanup hitter here, we've got Madison Buchter, also a supply chain management student at the College of Charleston. And interesting note, both Elizabeth and Madison have already gained valuable experience in a variety of internship roles. So they are primed and ready to do big things in industry. Madison, how are you doing? Good. Hello. Thanks for having us. You bet. Well, I'm delighted. Finally, you know, we've been working on this for a while. It's so neat to connect with Keith and Madison and Elizabeth. So let's dive right in. And we're going to start. We're going to put Elizabeth's going to be our leadoff hitter. If you're a big Braves fan, she's going to be our Otis Nixon or our Jorge Soler uh, today. So Elizabeth, tell, tell us a little about yourself, maybe where you grew up. And then we're going to ask you about your why. But tell us about yourself first. Sure. So... Again, my name is Elizabeth Putner. I'm from the small town of Darien, Connecticut. So I'm a big fan of bagels, nice Italian combos, pizza, nice. you name it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, my parents now live in North Carolina, and I'm a senior here at the College of Charleston in South Carolina. I'm majoring in supply chain management and minoring in global logistics and transportation, which is a mouthful, but... It's a lot. Hey, a lot going on. Well, hey... So moving from Connecticut to going to school now in Charleston, which some people call the the holy city, right? It's a pretty popular place. How do you, from a weather standpoint, have you enjoyed the adjustment? Absolutely. (laughs) I was actually up in Connecticut a couple of weeks ago and it was, the high was like 36 or 37. Meanwhile, it was in the seventies and eighties here. Well, it's a great place. And I bet y'all are really enjoying your time there at the college of Charleston and you get to rub elbows and learn from from great and been there, done that. I hate to say teacher because, you know, Keith, you come from industry, practitioner okay. slash professor, we'll call it that. But uh, thank you for sharing, Elizabeth. One quick follow-up question before we go to Madison and then Keith. Why supply chain, Elizabeth? Uh, it's a great question because when I was five years old, that was definitely not what I was telling people what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> um, so I started college as a marketing major. Okay. Uh, I knew I could do something in business, but I wasn't sure what specifically. And so I remember I was in an international studies class for one of my gen ed assignments. And we learned all about globalization and supply chain. 
And I thought it was so fascinating. And I spoke with my advisor and she brought this up. And then I said, sure, that sounds great. So I signed up to do supply chain and global logistics. And then a year later, COVID happened. So mm. now everyone knows supply chain. <laughs> it really, you know, yeah. it really is true. And the silver lining, you know, despite how challenging for a lot of, you know, the world the last couple of years have been part of that silver lining is the visibility it's given to the profession of global supply chain, which is, you know, never had the recognition, especially all the people that, that make it happen. So wonderful story. Sounds like it opened a great door for you and you're graduating just around the corner, right, Elizabeth? Yes. Two months from now, actually okay. from today, I will be starting my full-time job. So awesome. Awesome. Really? <laughs> well, well, early congrats. And we look forward to maybe having you back, you and Keith and, and Madison, maybe after y'all graduate to kind of get the, the, the pre-graduate view and then the postgraduate view. We'll see. <laughs> all right. So Madison, so Madison, same question. Tell us a little about yourself, where you, know, where you grew up, and then we're going to ask about your why. Okay. Hey, everyone. Once again, I'm Madison Buchter, and I am from Knoxville, Tennessee. I grew up there my whole life, went K through 12. I'm the biggest Tennessee Volunteers fan <laughs> ever meet. So that is my little thing with Knoxville. I am a senior at the College of Charleston studying supply chain management with a minor in marketing in Spanish. Wow. So a little different take than Elizabeth, but yeah, it's just a little bit about myself. And that's a deadly combination, Madison, supply <laughs> chain and marketing. And by the way, being bilingual in Spanish, Spanish language of all languages, you know? Yes. I found that it is applicable in many different situations. This past summer, I worked down in Tampa at a manufacturing plant and I was able to use it to speak to a lot of the line workers that weren't completely fluent English. So it has been such a great asset to have. So Madison, you went to the Gimba, right? Where the value is and, and engage with people and can talk in their native language. How powerful is that? So I think, I, I, th I'm, I think I, I'm guessing some of your why, but let us, why supply chain for you, Madison? So I chose supply chain because I really enjoy seeing a process start and finish. So just watching the entire thing and seeing what areas you can improve on and reduce waste. I love continuous improvement projects and one of my favorite things to work on and the ability just to apply those concepts to different businesses and everyday situations. I love that. Man, you're light years ahead for me. I was beer and pizza and y'all are really, you're changing the world and, and to appreciate continuous improvement you know, while you're still an undergrad in, in college, that is uh, your light years ahead. So I love that challenging the status quo. So Keith, man, after, after getting a little bit with Elizabeth and Madison, you got like the best job in the world, huh? Yeah, I cer certainly do, Scott. So, so first off again, let me say thanks to you. Appreciate what you do on supply chain now. And you heard from uh, Elizabeth and, and Madison, I'm always embarrassed to give my background or resume because compared to what uh, they're doing, I was doing nothing at their age in terms of understanding supply chain and, and getting engaged. And so they're, they're two of the you know, better students at the College of Charleston. We've got a great program there. God, you and I are closer in age than Elizabeth and Madison. And I think what you can appreciate as well, we've got two strong women in supply chain. When I started out in supply chain in 1991, not not many people didn't look like like mm. me. Mm. But your question, my my background is yeah. was born in Boston, moved to New Jersey, back to Boston, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Florida, 
and ended up in Arizona uh, by the time I was in eighth grade following my, my dad's career. Went to high school and went to Arizona State in Tempe. And so certainly everything in my sports world is around uh, the Sun Devils. Living here in SEC country, my biggest challenge in college uh, football season is getting the Devils on on TV. But uh, <laughs> uh, we all have we all have uh, we all have issues and, That's and right. challenges. <laughs> well, so uh, what did your father do? So my father worked for GTE. Interestingly enough, I went on to work for Pac Bell, which then merged and became SBC and AT and T. And so maybe following in my father's footsteps, he worked the corporate ladder. Of, uh, of GTE kind of followed uh, them through his career. I love that. Okay. One quick follow-up question. Then I want to ask you about a key position. You know, I know you did a lot of big things at AT&T in your career there, uh, but uh, growing, you know, growing up in all those different geographic locations, all the different States, you heard Elizabeth talk a little about food, right? And got us hungry talking pizza and sandwiches and bagels. Keith, what was your go-to as a kid or one of them when it, when it comes to food dishes based on where you lived? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Scott, you asked that. I mean, post-Arizona, working for uh, AT&T, I went on then to live in Northern California, then I lived in San Antonio, and then I uh, lived in Dallas before settling here post-AT&T in Charleston. And really what my family did is adapt to uh, the local environment and really enjoy it. So certainly here in, you know, Charleston for the last couple of years, I've shucked more oysters than in the previous 50 years, right? And if you went back to San Francisco, the love of sourdough, you know, bread, and mm-hmm. certainly in Arizona and Texas, uh, the Mexican food. So I think we kind of followed, you know, the local environment. And again, in Charleston, I think we're a quarter way down the list of restaurants on our to hit list uh, a couple of years in here. Love it. Love it. Really quick. Madison, you did not. You're the only person that hasn't mentioned a food dish. And when you talk about Tennessee, barbecue comes to my mind. But what, really quick, what was a, a really one of your favorite food dishes growing up? Ooh. <laughs> I would think, honestly, just a good burger. We have a ton of different burger restaurants in Knoxville. And I think a burger is my favorite dish growing up. Oh, Always cool. come on it. Cool city. Knoxville is a cool city. Great college town. And hey, the Vols are coming back. I want to say the Vols won the SEC basketball tournament, right? They sure did. First okay. time since 1979. <laughs> Man, big fan. Okay. Uh, we're going to have to have you all back. We, we do this this live stream. I haven't done it in a long time, but we need to do it back. Uh, supply chain nerds, and we, we call ourselves nerds around here. Supply chain nerds talk sports. So we'll have to have maybe uh, a special college edition. We'll see. But Keith, back to your background, as I mentioned on the front end, uh, a lot of executive level supply chain experience with AT&T, which everybody and their brother and sister knows. What's a key position, though, during your time that really shaped your worldview there? Yeah, yeah. And so maybe, Scott, as well, I'll I'll let you know how I got into supply chain. And of course, you know, when I was there, and this was in, uh, started college in 1987, it wasn't supply chain. It was purchasing and, and materials management. Right. And I went into Arizona State because it was the college down the street, and I had got a scholarship there. The college searches that we tend to do today are, are much more robust than perhaps my family did in, in the 80s. And at the time, in the late 80s, you know, we're under a recession, and there weren't a lot of jobs coming out of school. But Arizona State had this program, Purchasing and Materials Management, and was probably they and Michigan State and a few others that were into purchasing and materials management. And I noticed that the graduation 
rate and the number of jobs was higher there in any major. And so not knowing what purchasing materials management, right? That man, if I go through college for four years and don't have a job, <laughs> uh, that's not going to be goodness. And so let me give it a shot. And so when went through that and Pacific Bell was hiring quite a bit from Arizona State and the University of, of San Diego, because they would have just been seven years removed from the ba- breakup of you know, the Bell system right. and not having a, a procurement organization. And so they brought us in you know, to Pac Bell. My whole career at, at AT&T has been in you know, what's now called supply chain. I, I actually left AT&T for four years. And so my service is kind of bridged. And I went on and worked at two other companies, Galileo International and Industrial Control Components, and then went back to, to uh, AT&T. Yep. And I mentioned that because it was it, it made an impact on me as an employee and then later as a manager, as a leader, that you groom talent, you bring them on to the organization, but something's missing and they look outside and maybe you've lost that talent that you've invested and then bring them back. Is there something you can do to kind of really help them along? And so in my career, certainly mentoring, working with newer employees has been a focus. In terms of positions, let, let me just mention too, I was a VP at, at AT&T for 17 years from 2003 to, to 2020. The, the first half of it, I was doing network and IT sourcing. So okay. kind of a procurement job. And if you think of the timing of this 2003 to 2010, AT&T had just gone through a series of mergers and acquisitions, PacBell and SBC and Ameritech, Bell South and Singular. And when companies go through mergers, um, they have to pay back the premium um, that they that they placed on the acquisition. Hmm. And so they call that synergies often. And when companies are going through that, they're looking for synergies. And we learned quickly that supply chain or procurement at the time could be a competitive advantage to go after those synergies and say, now that we have these two groups coming together, how do we leverage the spend? How do we get the best practice? How do we get the best teams in place? And so for that period of time, really was happy to see procurement to get more of a leadership role. Elizabeth and, and Madison are coming into supply chain at a time that I think the supply chain has, has been at the highest level I've, I've ever seen. In the early 90s, supply chain and procurement wasn't always one of the most you know, sought after parts of the organization. Right. And so, and so when you were looking at that, how could you make your organization, the organization people wanted to come to, how could you make your organization one that was meaningful to the company. And so again, on this IT and network sourcing time in the early 2000s, post uh, these acquisitions, how do you make procurement a competitive advantage? How do you go after these synergies? And again, when I say synergies, I don't always mean price reduction, although that's part of it, but how right. can you bring supply chains together, vendors together, uh, people together? The second one is I'm, I moved in 2011 to the consumer supply chain of AT&T. So devices, broadband, set-top boxes, and so more the end-to-end supply chain from sourcing, planning, and logistics. Right. And, and I think when I first started out, coming from that sourcing or procurement background, we often managed the contract, not the vendor or supply chain. I had a big spend. I could wield a lot of leverage in the negotiations. And so we would have a contract and then we'd require our suppliers 
um, to meet the requirements and then we'd enforce the contract. And in hindsight, that might've been a little bit arrogant or naive or perhaps both because you have to move from managing the supplier to the supply chain. You have to understand where is your supplier in terms of their supply chain? And things became more prominent on countries of origin, component shortages, mm-hmm. intellectual property, tariffs. And so the, the second big you know, kind of pivot, pivot for me was going from this procurement or sourcing manager that was working the RFPs and bringing contracts together to saying, wait a minute, really the value add, that was a good phase one value add, but phase two is going to be managing this supply chain. And, and the last thing I'll say this and then, and then take a breath, especially if you think about it, if you think about the companies I was competing against, many times we were using the same OEMs and distributing the same products. Mm. Now, we would often have our own marketing and engineering enhancing them, but, but largely the OEM list is similar. And so if that's the case, how are you going to have a competitive advantage against your competition? Well, I'm going to get to the product to the right place on time and better quantities and in better condition. And mm. so managing that, that end-to-end supply chain uh, was just, I think, the second kind of Eureka that, that I had in my career. I love that. So with that said, Madison and Elizabeth, I want a little bonus question here before we get into kind of what you're tracking across global industry. There's so much there, Keith, that we could dive into, but I want to, I Madison, let's start with you. So when you become that leader, that supply chain leader out in industry, and you think, you know, Keith spoke to beyond supply chain management uh, practices and and what they did to really gain that competitive advantage, he he kind of alluded to culture a couple of times. So Madison, when you become that supply chain leader, what's one thing that you want to put your stamp on, on the organization's culture? What, 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 what's important to you, Madison? For me, I think diversity and inclusion, just making um, that a very big thing and making it known. I definitely experienced that this summer and it was one of the top things we strive to focus on. Mm. Um, and so that's what I would pick is diversity and inclusion. I love that. And it kind of goes back to Keith where, where he started, uh, where, where, you know, back in 1991, we didn't have, it wasn't nearly as inclusive an industry as we're making gains. And we still got some, a lot more work to do. But uh, a lot of good stuff there. Okay, Elizabeth, same question. As a leader, where do you want to put your stamp on a culture? What's one place at least? Yeah, definitely. I would say maybe training and communication, making sure everyone understands how systems work and operate um, and all of that sort of thing. Because I feel like there's a lot, like a lot of technological advancements occurring. Mm. But you need to understand how those systems work in order for them to be successful. And but also to what Madison said as well, diversity and inclusion is critical for sure. Mm. Well, you know, change is happening. It's speeding up so fast that it's putting a bigger burden on training and communication, right? So very powerful forces in the organization. Um, okay. So I want to stick with Elizabeth. In fact, we're going to go the reverse route and then um, Elizabeth and Madison and back to Keith. Let's talk about, there's so much going on uh, across global supply chain. I'll tell you, uh, no shortage of challenges, old challenges, but a ton of new challenges. And we're seeing some things take place right now in Europe that we hadn't seen in in a very long time. And hopefully, uh, certainly I know we all are praying for uh, a ceasefire and an end to the, some of the atrocities we're seeing take place in Ukraine. But that aside, when you get back to the profession, global supply chain, what's one thing, whether it's a trend or a topic or a development, Elizabeth, that you're tracking more than others right now? 
probably, I would have to say, kind of along with my previous answer, yeah. uh, <laughs> education and training for these new changes. Uh, I'm working with Keith this year on a whole paper uh, that touches on delivery systems, data analytics, technology, cybersecurity, and corporate social responsibility. So wow. the main thing behind all of these topics is making sure people are educated and trained to understand why these things are important in supply chain. So I think- what, So you yeah. picked that, those are some big meaty topics. I bet that's gonna be like a 3000 page paper. I don't know, but <laughs> out, of all, <laughs> out of all those topics, what was your favorite one out of, out of the topics you just mentioned? Um, I think I've really enjoyed learning about delivery systems and how they've been evolving since COVID-19. Mm. They've had to adapt in ways that were unprecedented and not planned whatsoever. And so that's been really interesting learning about different third-party vendors and um, all of that. Whatever it takes to get the job done, right? In this, in this, uh, I say e-commerce environment, but my, my dear friend, Greg White says, we got to drop the E because it's just how commerce is done these days. So a lot of good stuff there, Elizabeth. Okay, Madison, same question to you. As you survey global supply chain right now, what's one thing that you're paying attention to more than others right now? I think one new trend that I'm focusing on is the cloud-based solutions. So the cap capabilities that we give the companies to have all of their data synced up. For example, our company has multiple different manufacturing plants. And for all of that data to be synced in one place instead of having to switch from this plant to this plant, I think that's a really cool trend that's new and improving in supply chain. Agreed. And you, you mentioned your company, you're talking about a company you're currently interning at. Is that right, Madison? Yes, sir. Okay. And as a quick follow-up, and then Keith, I'm coming to you next, but if you had a if you had Madison, a captive audience of the of the, some of the world's top CEOs, and, and maybe they're they're kind of hedging their bets on whether or not to really invest in an internship program. What's one thing, what's one piece of advice you'd share with that captive audience? I would share, go for it. I mean, the hands-on experience that the interns can learn, um, just being in the office, being surrounded by those top leaders and getting to see what the day-to-day -day activities look like in supply chain, such a great learning opportunity. And everything I learned in Mr. Connolly's class, I was able to apply to my internship. And then you move up in the class level and you apply what you learned in the internship to your upper level classes. Mm. So they're there to work. They're there to learn and do whatever. So definitely a great opportunity. Madison. I love that. Where were you when I was matriculating through school to share that simple concept? They're building blocks. Uh, it completely was lost on me as a, as a, a student. Also you're describing all those experiences great for the intern, but of course you can use them as, as, as talent, uh, as a recruiting channels, right? So a lot of good stuff there are related to an internship program. Keith, you got to be beaming yeah. from cheek to cheek to hear Elizabeth and Madison speak about, um, just offer up their perspective or valuable perspective, but also touch on, on their experiences with you. What are you uh, tracking more than others across global supply chain, Keith? Yeah. You know, and Scott, when we think about supply chain, and we spent a little bit of this in the class as well, like I always want to kind of level set on what is supply chain because people use different, you know, terms and different frameworks. I, I've got a bias towards the, the SCORE framework, uh, originally a supply chain council, now the Association of Supply Chain, you know, management. So when we think about supply chain, we can think about, you know, the, the planning functions, we can think about the sourcing functions, we can think of, you know, make, deliver, return, 
or logistics as we call them today or enablement. And, and I think over time, I focused in in different categories. As I mentioned early in my career, it was kind of in the sourcing and the procurement. And I think there's been you know, great strides meant there, great, great tools. After that, I probably focused in the planning area and was so, you know, kind of enamored with how can we get that demand and supply forecast to match and, and how can we do that? Because that'll be the, the key to it of it all. And in fact, Scott, I was at an ASCM conference and said, someone said, we've been talking about forecasting for 40 years, we should stop. We're going to be wrong and just get over it. And the key, therefore, to that message, of course, said in jest, was really, you need to focus on logistics. And when you ask, what am I focusing on, you know, currently, especially if we think of what's happened in COVID with all of the, you know, supply demand mismatches, with all the bullwhip effects running, all the shortages, COVID, it really, in my mind, is the supply chain that can be the most flexible and the most resilient will win. Not that procurement's not important, not that planning's not important, but I think you can overcome them if you have a resilient and flexible supply chain. And so the logistics area of saying, especially post-COVID, where are we going to stock and how much and where? How are we going to cut down the time? How much is going direct to consumer versus to bricks and mortar? And so for me, it's this evolution of logistics, post-COVID, post-consumer habits, uh, you mentioned, you know, in, on, on e-commerce, um, taking a look at it. And, and Elizabeth, you know, mentioned her paper. She spent a lot of time talking with, you know, leaders in looking at uh, this logistic area, transportation, last mile delivery, different stocking options. But, but I think that's the area right now that I'd say, I used to say, you know, the best supply chain wins early in my career, the best procurement and sourcing. But I now think this logistics, flexibility, resiliency um, is the area that I'm probably most uh, interested in leaning in on. You and certainly the rest of the world. It's amazing to see the investment scope uh, related to Final Mile in particular these days. So a lot of good stuff there. Keith, I appreciate you sharing. I want to circle back earlier, uh, Elizabeth, I'll start with you. Keith mentioned, alluded to those eureka moments, right? Those moments where something hits you like a ton of bricks and it's like an aha moment. This can be related to supply chain, Elizabeth, or not, but what's been a eureka moment for you if you look at the last couple of years? Sure. So I thought a lot about this question and I think it's really interesting because there, like you said, so many different ways you can go about answering and thinking about this question. I know in one of my classes, we're reading a book called The New Abnormal, and it's all about supply chain and how it's been affected from COVID-19 and everything. And one of the points it was discussing was in the past two years, technologically speaking, we've advanced what would have maybe ordinarily taken 15 to 20 years of changing and adapting and evolving. And so I feel like the rate of adaption and that snowball effect of technology and supply chain and how we're just moving so quickly, that was something that really kind of transformed how I view supply chain and how the next couple of years, five years, 10 years, so on in my career are gonna change. Um, there's gonna be a lot of evolving and I'm very excited and slightly scared to see where that goes, but you know, <laughs> Yeah. That means you're in the right, you're, you're in the right mindset. If you're a little bit scared, it means typically it means you're doing the right thing, right? All right. So same question for you, uh, Madison, Madison, what's been a key Eureka moment for you the last couple of years? So same with Elizabeth, 
I thought about it a lot, but the moment I chose was just right when the pandemic hit about two years ago, going to the grocery store. Wow. There's no toilet paper for us to buy. (laughs) Wow. There's no paper towels. You know, that just really caused me to think about all the different processes that went on before COVID happened to get all the toilet paper out and challenged me to think of new ideas and new processes that could be implemented to um, increase the production to accommodate for all the demand that was missing. So I think that moment just really sparked in my brain. This is what the future is going to look like and how can I help create processes and right. ideas and improve them based on what you were sharing earlier. Right, Madison? Yes. Who would have thunk that toilet paper would have gotten this massive shining moment in the sun, whether they liked it or not. It's crazy. That still sticks out as one of the craziest things related to these last couple of years. Thank you for sharing, Madison. I appreciate that. And Elizabeth, uh, Keith, you want to add any other Eureka moment on your end? No, it's, uh, it's been interesting, Scott, for me post at and that I've been working with companies that largely now are the vendor or OEM to customers like AT&T. And so I'm seeing the supply chain from the other side of the table. And it's been interesting because I, for me, I think there's still an opportunity for information and sharing and collaboration between the customer and the supplier. And maybe I didn't appreciate it when I was on the customer side, thought we were doing a good job on giving forecasts and the why But now on the other side of the table, so to speak, I think maybe customers are too protective of information that they deem is proprietary when it is really necessary. And when I say the best logistics, the most resilient and flexible supply chain is going to win, the eureka moment for me, that's only going to happen if you're really collaborative across these commercial, across these customer supplier walls. And I hadn't seen it as clearly as being the recipient of the information. So I think the area of collaboration between customer you know, and supplier, although we've been talking about it for you know, 25 years, I still think we've got some work to do there. Agreed. I, I think I see big, big battles brewing already taking place with uh, data privacy, data integrity. Certainly, uh, Elizabeth mentioned cybersecurity. I think we shall knock on wood that our global supply chains haven't been disrupted as they could have been from a, a cyber standpoint. So, good thing, uh, really important work going on in that area right now. Um, okay. So, uh, speaking of Elizabeth, I'm going to circle back to you here. Hopefully y'all brought your crystal balls to the table because we're going to we're going to kind of predict the future a little bit here. So Elizabeth, simple question, what do you want to do in industry and why? Great question. <laughs> I do have my crystal ball with me today. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's working better than mine these last couple of years. <laughs> so yeah, my current plan right now is to go into consulting. I'm going to be working as a business analyst for a small consulting firm in Florida. Um, And so we work with all sorts of different industries. However, recently, a lot of the problems that we're helping them with has to do with manufacturing and supply chain. So it's great that I'm going to be coming on on board pretty soon. Uh, But moving forward and, you know, we'll see where the wind takes me, of course. But I've always been very interested in sustainability. And so I think maybe in the future, working with companies to help them meet a good balance between like their finances 
their impacts on like society and ethical standards mm. as well as environmental standards. I remember learning about ISO certifications in P Professor Connolly's class last year, and we focused on sustainability there. And so I found that to be really interesting. And I think that making positive changes and implementations for businesses to sustain long-term would be really great. A lot of work to do there, huh? It's it's a full plate for sure, but mm. I'm ready to move on. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, and congrats. Sounds like a very bright future and a lot of passion involved in, in some of your next steps. So we'll be keeping our finger on the pulse there. Madison, same question to you. What do you want to do in industry and why? So my current plan now um, is I will be going into Danaher Corporation's operations leadership program. So it's a two-year rotational program, and every six months you'll rotate roles within the manufacturing plant to give you that full experience. So one role could be in the engineering department, one could be on the floor. So really just going to get the hands-on managerial practice. So that's what I'll be doing for the next two years. And then after that, I really hope to go into the medical side of supply chain. I've always been passionate about the medical industry, and I understand its importance now and definitely its importance in the future. So that would be a goal of mine to go into medical supply chain. That is outstanding. Healthcare is certainly going to uh, need some bright minds and, and some new ways of doing things in the years to come. You know, really quick, and Keith, I'm going to come to you and maybe, maybe, You've had the same observation. You know, I spent a little time in my journey at a great consulting, small consulting group out of Cincinnati. And as they were hiring the best of the best when it came to the folks that drove change, uh, uh, you know, project leaders, Danaher had a very strong reputation, especially for lean and continuous improvement. So Madison, gosh, sounds like you've got an outstanding opportunity to be in an environment that, that taps into some of the things you'd love to do. And you're going to learn how to do them even better. How about that? Yes, absolutely. And Danaher, Danaher has multiple different operating companies from industrial side in aerospace, where I work now, to Beckman Coulter Diagnostics, which is their medical filtration. So lots of opportunities within them. And they definitely have a strong focus on Lean Six Sigma and continuous improvement 5S, everything like you know, Scott, to that that point, when Madison got our internship, you know, we sat down, they gave her kind of the summer assignment. And there were a couple of things that I really like. One is not only do I mention it's great to see women in supply chain. Madison was in the operations on the floor. And again, hearkening back to my early days, that that wasn't uh, a common enough occurrence. Mm. But they gave her a, a Lean Six Sigma project to take a look at uh, how, the, how she could cut, you know, hours out of the, the process. And so uh, Madison and, and Elizabeth have been uh, extremely uh, kind to me and my my professorial capabilities. <laughs> she understood the concepts around Six Sigma and the jargon. This was real life, and she got to roll up her sleeves. And so I was impressed by you know kind of their internship program. Then she was able to come back her senior year and get that final you know kind of year of academic to layer on on top of it. I love it. Who knows? Maybe Madison and Elizabeth will be founding one of the most powerful consulting firms, quite the one-two punch uh, down the road. You never know. You never know. But really excited to what both of y'all have, the opportunities in the immediate future and um, and moving forward. So we'll, again, we'll keep you, uh, keep our um, finger on the pulse there. Keith, I want to shift gears here for a second as we come down the home stretch. Gosh, 
I love our teachers. We've got teachers in the family. We probably all do. They they do. They're just critical to all of our journeys. And I love to see colleges tap executives, especially in supply chain. Been there, done that. It can bring, you know, all of the, a wealth of knowledge and and uh, stories and experiences to a, a classroom of capable students like Madison and Elizabeth. So, why do you love to teach? And tell us also as a follow up. You're doing. You're still doing some consulting, so tell us what you're doing there too. Yeah, you know, Scott. Maybe in the beginning of this, along my uh, you know career at AT and T, I also made sure I was doing things outside of AT and T, th- things that kind of intersected uh, my profession and, and my passion. And so one of them, I was on the Dallas Fort Worth Minority Supplier Development Council for mm. a number of years, including being the chairman. So here was an a- an area to see, you know, firsthand how can you help historically disadvantaged uh, firms get into the community. Also, as I mentioned, involved with the Association of Supply Chain Management, which allowed me to, you know, network with other, uh, you know, peers in in different industry. And then lastly, I was in Dallas. And so I was on the University of Texas at Dallas's Supply Chain Advisory Board. And it was my first kind of toe into uh, academia. And so they allowed Mm -hmm. us to come over and look at their curriculum, meet with their students, you know, meet with their professors. And, and really what I liked about it, Scott, is what you're seeing here today with Elizabeth and Madison. Again, this is a guy who is not only started in supply chain before it was cool, before it was even named supply chain, right? right. Is, you know, purchasing and materials management. And so to see how it's progressed and where it can go is so exciting. And so when I retired from AT&T, 25 great years, great company, uh, had a great team that's that's uh, doing great things since, since I left. Um, I called different universities to see if there was a you know, chance to be a guest speaker on our advisory board. And then speaking with the College of Charleston, they said, hey, we think we have an opportunity um, you know, as an adjunct role to teach uh, one of the supply chain and purchasing class. And to your point, and Elizabeth and Madison can attest, you know, we had a um, you know world class textbook. My most my most uh, recent class, we also supplemented it with the ASCM procurement certificate. Hmm. But really, what I tried to do is take it to the real world. And so I brought in colleagues and former colleagues and vendor to kind of bring the real life. If we're talking about supply and demand planning, Corey Kerstetter, VP of uh, operation at Samsung and I would have a dialogue and say, okay, the book talked about qualitative and quantitative forecast. Here are the different methods. Corey, how did it work on this launch? Mm. Um, and so I, I like that because I think in top of uh, the academic um, work that the students get, bringing that experience that they can know, do I really want to be in supply chain? Do I want to be in procurement or planning or logistics? Do I want to be a consultant or do I want to work for a corporation? Um, but clearly, um, Scott, I, I get more than I give, you know, just because of the enthusiasm, you know, that I get from the students and really uh, enjoy the, the College of Charleston. Um, on the other front, you know, still interested in, you know, staying active in, in supply chain. And so I've been right. working with CTDI for probably a year and a quarter now. CTDI is a um, couple of billion dollar, 45 year old engineering uh, technical repair logistics company hmm. doing a lot of the repair refurb movement across network infrastructure, set top box and, and mobility components. And so, and as I mentioned before, it's interesting for me to have been on the customer side, the large carrier to now work with 
you know, the vendor side of it, the service provider, and right. help them develop their processes and their systems. And so I'm enjoying staying a bit still in, in industry and in the flow, but also uh, with, the, with the students in the, in the college as well. So, so enjoyed my time at AT&T, great company, great experience, but surely having a you know, heck of a lot of fun and, and eating Charleston seafood <laughs> and being uh, on the peninsula is not bad either. You have me at oysters. You have me at oysters, Keith. Well, and there's so much more here. You know, I wish we had a lot more than the hour with with uh, each of y'all, frankly. But we'll we'll make it happen. We'll have we love our repeat guests around here, so we'll have to do an update uh, show on what you're doing. So I want to make sure though, folks can connect with you. You know, Keith, you know, from my time in in the classroom here and there, man, being rubbing elbows with folks that bring new ideas and a different perspective and and are fearless and asking the question why, and not just once but at least, at least five times. Right. So I love that. And, and, and that's the vibe I'm getting with Elizabeth and Madison. So no wonder, uh, I, I bet it's a pleasure to be part of those classroom conversations. So with that said though, some of our listeners may want to connect with y'all, Elizabeth, let's start with you. How can folks connect with all the cool things that you're up to? Definitely. I'm on LinkedIn. So if you search Elizabeth Petner, you can feel free to connect with me. It's just that easy. In fact, we're going to make it even easier by dropping that direct link in the show notes. You're one click away from connecting with each of our guests. Madison, same question to you. Yes. LinkedIn, I think definitely is the best way to reach me just under Madison Bookter. And my last name can be a little tricky to spell. So that link will be your best bet. <laughs> Wonderful. And, and, and by the way, B-U-C-H-T-E-R. But again, you'll find that link in the show notes. Madison, thanks so much. All right, Keith Connolly. I think we initially met uh, via LinkedIn, if I'm not mistaken, several years back. But how can folks connect with you? Yeah, at this point, LinkedIn should be a paid sponsor of your program because I'm going to say the, the same, Scott. I think I'm, I'm out there, would, would welcome any connection request or just emails to talk about uh, supply chain, but certainly the best way to get a hold of me. I'm with you. And, you know, I wish they needed my help. That would be uh, probably pretty <laughs> lucrative, but uh, regardless, they're doing a good good job there. Because, you know, it's all, it's all about, gosh, where will we be? As silly as this may sound, I was talking with a friend of mine. You know, I love Twitter. I love LinkedIn. You know, communication, stories, but connectivity. And imagine where we would be without that ability to connect digitally over the last couple of years, right? So we're counting our blessings for sure. But hey, talk about blessings to have this panel here with us here today. Really enjoyed what y'all have shared. I want to first thank Keith Connolly. It's great to meet you again in Vegas and be able to make stuff like this happen. We'll have to feature some more of your students in the months ahead. Thanks so much, Keith. You're welcome. Been great. Thanks, Scott. Uh, again, he's with uh, adjunct professor with the College of Charleston and a strategic advisor to the company he uh, referenced a few minutes ago, CTDI. Very active. Big thanks to two students that are right around the corner, getting ready to graduate, go out and move mountains across industry. First, uh, Elizabeth Petner, a senior at College of Charleston, and her colleague uh, Madison Buchter, B-U-C-H-T-E-R, Buchter, also a supply chain management student at the beautiful College of Charleston. Elizabeth, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. You, you bet. I had a had a, a blast doing this with you. And Madison, thank you. And congrats to your Vols. But uh, thanks for your time here today. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity to come on and chat with you. Absolutely. Okay. Well, folks, hopefully you've enjoyed this frank conversation, inspirational conversation. Gosh, the industry, they're in good hands. We got the likes of Elizabeth and Madison moving in. 
big things, big innovation ahead. But hey, check us out, Supply Chain Now, wherever you get your podcast from. Be sure to connect with our panel here. You'll be better off for it. And if you do anything today, on behalf of our team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. On that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.